Yeah. guys and uh, welcome back to episode 5 of the One Life Clash podcast. We hope you've uh, been enjoying it so far and thank you very much to everybody that's been listening. Uh, this uh, episode we've got a really exciting one uh, and we have actually got Education First Pro Cycling Sports Director Tom Salvam uh, joining us today. Yeah before we get into that uh, let's just go around and what, what have you been up to this week Matt? Uh, I've just been making sure I've been getting out on my bike and riding, um, obviously yeah. practicing safe social distancing, but just staying active and, and getting the miles in the legs and, um, yeah, staying active. Fair enough. What about you, Sam? Um, yeah, I know I've been working on some projects and had some work come in as well, so um, keeping busy with that and yeah. just riding. Um, yeah, just getting out on the bike a bit. Getting some training in. I've yeah, been, uh, it's, it's important to um, for for me to well for anyone I guess to to always have something on the go, a nice project or yeah, something definitely. to keep you moving and positive. Um, so I've been trying to trying to do that. Um, I want to. I, I was going to try and learn a language <laughs> this week. Well, this, <laughs> week. <laughs> this week, I want to learn. Well, this weekend, because um, just this weekend you're going to learn a language. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, well, I've been putting energy into um, other things at the minute, but um, I've got some time this weekend, so I want to learn a bit of German. So next, next, right. <laughs> next time uh, we go out there. I've, I've been practicing a skill. Um, I've been uh, practicing my videography of uh, filming the fights outside my window. Uh, this this week we had an uncle boss. He was having a fight with a, a guy that kept going around saying. Bruh, bruh. <laughs> kept going around saying that and then um, yeah Uncle Boss came out with his mask and it was on his hand so his hand was a protective boat and um, Uncle Boss shooed him away and uh, he saved the day so yeah it was brilliant oh, so there you, there you go <laughs> and it's all true because <laughs> I've seen it yeah it really um, happened so yeah so we we have a guest oh, today. How's your how's your train set, Matt? Before we go, oh my train my train set. Um, it's uh, it's coming along nicely. Uh, but I've took some time out for the moment. Okay. I need to re- rethink a couple of the uh, the sections. But but thank you for asking. That's all right. Okay. Um, shall we introduce yeah. our guest? Um, cool. Tom, how's it going? Good. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Uh, yeah, thank uh, you. So, for- Sounds like you've got some interesting stuff going on with uh, people fighting outside uh, train sets and so on and so forth. Uh, <laughs> we've got a lot of uh, different uh, hobbies and uh, <laughs> skills. Now is a good time for hobbies and skills, man. Now is a good time. Definitely. 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 Uh, what have you been up to, Tom? Uh, much like much like everyone else, I've been trying to take uh, take the positives uh, out of uh, out of what I've got and what not what I don't have. Um, we're super lucky here. I mean, obviously, I've got um, a lot of riders and people I know who are in countries where they can't even go out and exercise. So, trying to make the most of uh, the fact that we can get outside. I can get outside on my bike. I can get outside for a walk or or something like that. Um, which is uh, which is kind of keeping uh, keeping me going for now, um, making the most of that. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Um, so I, I think we met um, 
at that um what was it the Fenwick's sort of cross country race in Ashton Court that was where we first kind of raced against each other I think it was wasn't it or was it one of the local cyclocross leagues I think you beat me at uh, I think you beat me in Netton Park cyclocross ah yeah the first yeah. time a week before that, yeah. or something yeah yeah you're doing impressive uh, bunny hopping those uh, yeah. those things those jumps yeah that was the first place. I think I managed to to hop it successfully like three or four times, and the rest were just. Um, <laughs> I, I think that is pretty entertaining for anyone watching. But, <laughs> um, so I'd like you to kind of um, tell us a little bit about um, yourself, and what you do currently with EF Education Pro Cycling, um, if that's how you say, it, or is it EF Pro Cycling? How do you actually say it? EF Pro Cycling is uh, cycling. this year. Um, it, last year it was EF Education First Pro Cycling, but obviously that's that's quite a mouthful. That's yeah, that's quite difficult to say after a few days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I uh, I'm a sports director there, which I mean, so if I give you a bit of background about myself, I I started racing when I was 12. I'm from Penzance in Cornwall. Um, Started racing when I was 12, went up um, through sort of the ranks, um, ended up racing until I was 30, um, which, so 30 was the year that Eric Cantona retired, and I figured that was a good uh, good time to stop. So I stopped Dalla Cantona when I was in 2011, and then started working, um, actually my master's in professional writing, um, and then I started working as a press officer for Rafa Condor cycling team, who I'd raced for, and then started managing the team at some races, and that was successful. And I went to another Australian team, uh, Drapak, as a, as a as a sports director manager, um, and that then led me into the World Tour, which firstly with um, Cannondale Drapak, which has then over time become uh, EF. Uh, pro racing um, so yeah I mean m my job basically entails normally under normal circumstances not at the moment um, sort of going to races with the riders planning the races the strategy of the race um, uh, dealing with managing the staff and all the stuff kind of behind the scene that's, that goes into running a road racing uh, team um, up to you know the Tour de France. I've done the last three Tour de France's in the car. Um, That's amazing. So yeah, like that 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 that, that sort of that, that takes up most of my my time really. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Uh, how much um, how much pressure do you put on yourself when you you know you're directing um, stages of the Tour de France? How what's what's it like in in the hot seat? How how heat does it get? Um, quite a lot. I mean, it's it, it's a really funny thing what we do as, as as sports directors, and we say it like there's two sort of elements to it. I mean, firstly, everybody needs to get to the race on time, and you need the 25 or 30 staff members to know what they're doing, and all like like real logistic planning. Once that's happening, then you get into like the finer tuning of the athletes and. and 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 that sort of like real um, this is stuff we love, you know, like like the racing. But the influence that you have as a sports director is if 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 riders do ninety seven percent, and like ex you might be that three percent. 
mm. good or bad, and it's tiny. So even if we do our job really, 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 really well, things can go shit. Yeah, yeah. On the flip side, I've seen guys do a terrible job, but things, but guys win because yeah. because ultimately it, it 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 can be the rider, right? Um, so it's, it's kind of a weird job. It's in that it's it's sort of un it's unfulfilling in that way that you, you've done your absolute best and you go to a race and your best rider's 28th. But that's yeah. not that's not your fault. It's is, not is there, their fault. Is there a part of you that feels like it's your fault at the end of a race, though? Or? Uh, Do you... uh, uh, only if you've made a, like, 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 like a mistake, like, like, like an error. I mean, and you can do. I mean, everybody makes mistakes. I make mistakes. Um, riders make mistakes. But, you know, like if, if I said to the riders, for example, okay, um, you guys can all relax. Nothing's going to happen. Um, and then all of a sudden the road went from four lanes wide to one lane wide and they yeah. came out and there was cobbles and a crosswind and they all got dropped because they're at the back. That I would take. <laughs> yeah. And that I would take that, that I would take pretty badly. And then that would like the, my reputation then would, like weaken with the riders because a lot of what's important with what I do is to the people believe what I say. So it's like, okay, you can relax now and now you need to be serious because a bike race, like the races we do are five, six hours long and you can't concentrate for six hours. And you want, you want to be thinking about the least amount of things. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if the guys trust me and like I've built up a good reputation with them and I say, okay guys, it's going to happen now. That's the best possible thing you can you can have as a sports director, I think. I'm interested to ask you, sort of more like from a psycho uh, psychology pers uh, perspective, um, and you know you say about having a good relationship with the riders, but I know personally, if I was riding, let's say I was riding as a pro, and I had a sports director who I really liked and respected, I know personally I'd bury myself for him. And do you get do you get a lot of those sorts of relationships where you you kind of try and press certain people's buttons, maybe, or do you, do you have much of that sort of stuff going on? Absolutely. I mean, like everybody, and and that's what I find it like as, as a really interesting challenge because everybody's motivated in, in in a different way, and my my default is to is to try and motivate someone in the way that I would be motivated, yeah. which which might not work for someone. Um, and so I have to push myself way out of my comfort zone. Like, like when I'm at, at my, you know, at races, I've got eight riders and eight, those eight guys can have eight different ways that they need to be spoken to, to get yeah. them to do well. One guy might be at like a, like a pat on the back and a kind yeah. word in the ear. And, and he wants to do it, do it for me because we've got a good, strong relationship. One guy might, you might need to push him and, have him think that you think he's shit so he's like fuck you yeah nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's me <laughs> <laughs> um but so that that that's really interesting and that takes that, that that takes time um to sort of which can be one of the hard things about pro racing because guys come and go right so guys come for one yeah. year or two years and, and and those guys you you, you kind of We've got, got to adapt to them. Absolutely. We've got 30 riders in the team at the moment. 
and mm. six sports directors and three race programs usually. So I might see, I had one rider in the team two years ago who I never met, didn't meet the guy. Because well, uh, the way that it all added up, I just, I mm. just never met him. So to get those kind of relationships that we're talking about is, is, is you have to do it really quickly. Yeah. And Tom, can I just interrupt there? Um, is there, is there like a language barrier with some of the riders? So, I mean, our team is an English speaking team. I, I speak French and Italian fluently and sort of can kind of get by in Spanish. So I mean, at the minute we've got a lot of Colombians and South Americans yeah. and um, that's, that's one place where there, that there can be an issue. Um, and it, it, it can be really weird because you stand up and you, you do quite a detailed meeting in English and you might say to a, a, like a, a Spanish speaker who's got basic English, like, do you follow? And they're like, yep, yep. And you're just looking at the guy and you're going, <laughs> 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 you, you're saying yes, but like... What's this guy on about? <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> but generally, like, you know, you make an extra effort to go, okay, I don't think that guy's really got it. Um and take them aside and explain it but also the skill is like a it's like how how do you communicate a complex idea in a simple way yeah which which goes back to actually what i studied when i was studying for writing so like the best writing is you know a complex idea in, in a sim simple sentence or all, all that stuff I, I i find it fascinating all that stuff definitely uh, i agree with you, I think. there's a there's a very simple philosophy that you can use for your guys say those who pedal the quickest will win <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah <laughs> there's a finish line right and the first one across it is, <laughs> is fast <laughs> yeah but i i think the you know at the end of like um all of our lives and our careers i mean we're we're all involved with cycling and at different levels but it's those sort of unique special relationships that you have and you and the experiences that you share are the things that you'll remember you know so. absolutely absolutely and i mean there's some guys that you end up like in my position you have like a good long-standing relationship with it goes for years and years um because you know some guys are on my race program a lot and, and you do have like a much you have like quite a strong emotional bond with you know someone who's done something under your sort of wing kind of thing yeah I just wanted to ask, like, what, how is the current situation? And, like, obviously it's affecting the whole world, but how is it affecting you as a team? Like, because you can't see each other. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, 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 been, it's, it's been tough. Um, so, like I said, we, I mean, we've got some guys who are um, in Spain, obviously the Girona-based guys. I mean, they're locked down, locked down. They can't leave the house. Yeah. So that includes a guy like uh, James Whelan, who's, you know, 22 years old from Australia. So he's away from home. He's locked down in a house. He's riding a home trainer every day. Um, and that's pretty taxing. Um, those guys don't want to go back to Australia because if the border, if races restart, borders don't reopen at the right it. times. Yeah. Exactly. So... I mean, at the moment, the team's basically got, um, we've got two times a week, there's like a, um, uh, yoga and stretching sessions, which we do online, like everyone like gone onto Zoom and doing that. Um, and then the guys have got two times a week, they've got a Zwift training session, which, which basically is 
not for us to see them training, but it's for them to all go on and chat while they ride their bikes. Um, That's important to like keep everybody linked together, especially for mental health of the team as well. Because it's like if you suddenly do go back to racing, you won't have spoken to each other for so long, and it's like, what do you do? Yeah, I mean that's a really good point, and and the riders kind of brought that up with us because at first we were all a bit hang on what's happening and it took us a week or so or two weeks to kind of go actually we need we need to solidify um and like we, we need to come out of this as a stronger unit which i already feel you know like uh the, the situation's so absurd that it's yeah. it kind of pushes you together more Get everybody together in a weird kind of way that's like Changed everybody as well. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, you see, I, I don't know what your streets are like, but every Thursday night, everybody in my streets outside, you know, clapping for the NHS and like. Yeah, yeah. I live in East London, so I mean, everybody's outside fighting each other. To be honest, <laughs> there's, a, there's a dodgy off license next door as well, so I think uh, yeah, it's a little bit different to where you are. Okay, but I mean, um, I mean, basically, like neighbours are talking to each other. Like, yeah. Didn't happen before. It's community. Community. Um, people are beginning to think about uh, their area as a community. They're understanding that, you know, food, local food, and lo- local shops mm. can't, you know, all these sorts of things, which I think is fantastic. Um, but I just think it's important um, that what is encouraged is is like getting the sun, you know, vitamin D, and being active, yeah. um, and not watching too much news and. Because this, it's that's not healthy, you know. Um, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't mean you have to become ignorant and not know what's going on. But I just think, you know, it's important for people to stay active um, because that also for your immune system, ultimately. And Tom, what what do you think about uh, these Zwift races? And are you getting the team to race them or? So I'm actually, I mean, so I finished at what, five o'clock tonight. I, I'm managing a team doing the Digital Tour of Swiss, which is, it's not on, it's not on, yeah, Swift, it's on a different platform. Is it like Be Cool or something like that? Uh, no, it's Ruby, um, oh, yeah, which is yeah, like, uh, it's actually, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting. So I, basically, we kind of have a, a, a call going with the riders and myself um, and like while the race is going on. Um, and I'm kind of watching it and it's, 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 yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not replacing road racing. Um, it's, it's, uh, or, or any kind of race. It's got its own challenges, you know? Um, what do you think about, uh, getting the Tron bike? uh, Has anybody got it yet? And, uh, have they they cheated getting it? No, absolutely not. It's, it's funny, like the, a lot of our riders were really put off from trying to take part in these e-races because the reputation that had come from the British champs last year when the guy yeah. cheated, cheated. you know, I mean, everyone, everyone in pro racing is really kind of sensitive about, about for good reason, because our sport was like, was so toxic for so long. Yeah. And guys were kind of almost reluctant to like go and do those with races. Cause they're like, yeah, but, we want things to be fully legitimate. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, so yeah. Just um, just quickly um, to touch back on what we were talking about. Um, how are the riders coping mentally at the moment? Have you checked them much? I mean, are they? Because obviously, 
all they've ever done and all they do is base their life around um, certain races each year. How are they coping from going, you know, training so much over the winter um, to find out this news? And I mean, it would just be cool to get an insight into how they're all dealing with it. Yeah, I mean, everyone's different, but I would say that it's extremely difficult because everybody, every cyclist ever since they started cycling has been like goal driven. Yeah. So if I if I do X this year, then I can go to this team, and if I go to this team and I do this result, I go to this team, and eventually you become a pro, and then you go, I want to do this, this, and this, and then so everything in their heads is based on on goals their yeah. whole life. Sure. All all of a sudden, it's not just that there's it's it's not just like they've broken a leg and they said right, okay, well, I'm not going to race until August. It's like there's nothing on the horizon. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. there's there's provisional dates. But those provisional dates, we all know, are, are kind of the wider world has 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 an influence on those that we just can't control. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of guys to start with on the phone, and they're just like, "Oh, yeah, but you know, like, do you think you could give us some potential dates?" And you that's when you have, to, you have to just be you have to just be brutally honest and say, "Look, no, I'm sorry, yeah. but yeah. um." um so it's I, I think guys have kind of brought their their goals they've made smaller goals you know like so the guys locked down and just like okay right the goal every day is to get your training done hmm. get, get and through the day are they um are they doing anything else to stay motivated are they cycling Do you know if they're yeah i mean guys i mean guys our guys i think most guys these days do quite a lot of gym uh, quite a lot of yoga, quite a lot of core stability, quite a lot of um, you know conditioning. Guys run as well. We've got quite a few runners in the team actually, um, quite handy ones. Um, you know, it was always like traditionally in Europe, if if a rider went running, the theory was, oh my god, it's going to destroy their legs. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's like if you run enough, that's just absolute bollocks. It's um, it's just whether whether or not you're used to doing it or not. So yeah. They're uh, trying to trying to stay busy. Um, so, I'd like to talk about. Well, I think everyone wants to talk about the um, your your guys' um, alternative calendar and why um, why you essentially decided to do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that alternative calendar was a real um, success last year. I think. Um, I think it was just like the convergence of a few people's ideas and this feeling that came that's like the um, that the sport kind of needed to ex- just uh, get rid of it some of the constraints that it put on itself. Um, road racing, in particular. I agree. I think I think it's amazing that you um, you do other things because it's been the same for years where you can only do road, you can only do mountain biking, you can only do cyclocross, whatever it is. I think it's amazing that you've actually created this calendar. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 like personally, I think it's really cool. I mean, like I grew up riding a road bike and it wasn't until I, until I stopped racing that I got a cross bike. And I got on a cross bike and a mountain bike. I'm just like, why the hell did I never do all of this. I mean, I love doing it and, and it can 
there's no reason why you shouldn't do all of them, <laughs> you know? It's funny because when I was, like, training and uh, I was on the, the Great Britain program as a, as a youth rider and you were always told you need to decide uh, what you're going to do. And I was doing cyclocross a bit, like track, road, whatever it is. And, like, you were allowed to do track and road. You weren't allowed to do anything <laughs> else because it would affect your career. And it's like just completely took the fun out of it for me and I was just like okay fine I'll just do a load of roller work and do some track and road then like okay yeah I mean imagine how many people have been lost because of because like of the short-sightedness that there was you know over time um I mean I think I think as well this kind of like uh this idea of you know um what makes you this type of person or this type of like this type of cyclist or this type of cyclist is kind of it's great to start with because people want to they want an identity and they want to feel part of something um but but cycling was really secular where you couldn't just be i am a cyclist it was like i am a road cyclist i'm a this i'm a that but i think that's kind of changing now you know i think uh, yeah one one of the riders that i just want to talk about briefly is uh tom pidcock and i really like like i really respect the fact that he hasn't gone pro yet and he's um trying out everything really and continuing to do all the things that he wants to do before he turns world tour absolutely i mean, I, th- I think i i think it's great i think uh i think the thing the thing with the world tour is it, like it's 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 demanding and hard and you get caught in this rut of having to do this race or that race. Um, I mean, a lot of the time, for example, um, you know, you've got your roster of riders and someone falls sick, which means that somebody else has to go to the race. So if, if, if you want to prepare for the mountain bike Olympics, for example, and all of a sudden you got a phone call saying, Oh, you have to go and do this week long stage race. It, it it derails you, so staying out of it if you want to do everything is, is a smart move. And I think you know Vanderpol's done done what's right for him. Another yeah. exception, yeah. Because done, I mean, done very well. And in another team, he would have to race more, do more, have more responsibility to be at the tour, for example. So he couldn't skip this, and so. Yeah. So um. You you do like uh, gravel racing as well. I mean, the alternative calendar's got some uh, s- some of those events. I mean, it was going to be more this year. Um, they did Dirty Kanza. I'm just wondering what they, what else they did last year. They did Leadville, uh, Three Peaks. I mean, not exclusively gravel racing, but some of those events. Okay. And what about um, fixed gear crits? What do have they come out on your radar? So far, nobody's done one, um, but I, I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't rule it. Um, I, I wouldn't rule anything out um, because uh, I think as you know, as the alternative calendar grows, it's more interesting to because you, you don't just want to make it like a gravel calendar on the side of a road calendar, right? Yeah, exactly. Or, so it becomes interesting to then go, okay, all right, uh, let's. Let's go and do the summer carnivals on the track in Australia, for example, um, or, yeah. or something like that. Um, so I yeah, think, I think it's um, 
it's um it's positive for for everything really um to you know if you're going to a gravel event and uh, a character like Lachlan Morton from the team um, is showing up um it's it's just attracting um, a lot more people to the race and that's um fantastic for the organizers and amazing for for gravel racing in general really um i think it's such a positive thing for you guys to be to be doing it and it's great to see the world tour team do that as a first yeah i mean honestly at first when they said about it i was like shit we're gonna have to try and like twist guys arms to go and do these races yeah and 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 like there is a continual queue of guys knocking on the door saying they want to go and do these events brilliant why is that? Is that just because it takes away a lot of the stress for them? They just want a bit of fun back? I think that's part of it. I think I think that's part of it. But, like, they all love riding their bikes, right? They all love racing. Um, and a lot of them, you know, a lot of them started on mountain bikes, for example. You know, they didn't necessarily start as road riders. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, shit, we've got the opportunity to kind of go and go back to these parts of, of, of cycling that we, that, that we love. Um, not, not the, the sort of the work part, you know, that's outside of like the bubble of pro world tour road scene. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, it's refreshing. Like when you go and do, you know, if you've been a pro for 12, 10 years, it's it, it's it's incredibly hard life. The races are incredibly hard at that level, um, and there's a lot of pressure. And then all of a sudden, you might get a chance once, twice a year to go and do something where you're on your bike still, but you. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Um, and whilst we're on the topic of gravel and fixed gear stuff, um, in a recent podcast I listened to, and it's been um, over the media a little bit, um, Colin Strickland. Um, fixed gear racer was quite dominant in the Red Hook Crit series a couple of years back. Um, very dominant in the gravel scene at the moment. Um, and I hear he got offered a place uh, on the team EF Pro Cycling this year, um, but turned it down to continue his his own personal projects. Um, if you know anything about that, are you able to touch on it a little bit? Yeah, I mean. Um... Uh, I, uh, I, I mean, you mentioned it to me. I looked into it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I would say that, like JV, our boss Jonathan Vortas, um, um, has always been quite adventurous with um, the kind of lucky punch rider who he um, would take a chance on, um, even if they don't have, they don't necessarily have a you know, like a, a, a sort of purebred amateur racing background. Mike Woods is an example. Um, he was a runner. He was started racing for a real short time. Um, and then JV signed him up and, he, you know, he's turned into Mike Woods. And, I mean, JV would have looked at that, you know, um, at that guy at Kansas last year and gone, hang on a minute, this this, this kid's got a massive engine because he, he, yeah, he, yeah. he, he clearly he clearly has a massive engine. If you can Something. ride red, red hook crits, you can you can definitely ride a bike because Garcia Cortina, who rides for Bahrain, yeah. was also yeah pretty good yeah. there. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm the way the way that JV would have looked at it has, has been like, hell, let's let's give this kid a shot. Um, yeah, yeah. 
And I found the subject of the email quite funny as well, because I think it was just Paris-Roubaix 2020 question mark. Um, and that would have been pretty epic to see Colin race Paris-Roubaix. I think he would have had a pretty good blast at that, seeing him solo, solo away like he normally does. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, like, I think that was, uh, definitely would have been a carrot, you know what I mean? Um, and it's a good one. Um, and it would have been would have been interesting to see, um, but like I, you know, you totally understand the guys got, um, you know, g- going into the world world tour at a certain level is is is, is it's still a hard way to make a living. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's it, it's 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 not for everyone, you know. Um, so. So on on um sort of what's well, on the same topic, cycling, but. I have a team which I started a few years ago, which is a, a fixed gear team essentially. Um, but we're coming at it from an angle where it's not uh, super pro, but we we're travelling around the world. We we have been doing the Red Hook Crit when that was around, and um, the British and some other European uh, fixed gear crits, and there's a couple in America as well. Um, but we we sort of set it up uh, myself and Jermaine Burton who used to be a yep, yep. A, yeah a pro pro cyclist so we set it up uh, ultimately to kind of use it as a as a vehicle to to inspire because uh, it's a lot more sort of grassroots cycling the fixed gear racing so mm. we we kind of came at it from an angle where we were looking at um, yeah being good role models and sort of inspiring kids to to give Fix crit racing a go because it's it's kind of it's a different kind of coming at it from a different fresh perspective than sort of road cycling. It's it's a bit more sort of bit like punk rock. It's a bit um, bit more loose, uh, and and the crit racing is quite exciting. I mean, there was that um, the Italian guy you mentioned him earlier that rode. He he won Milan. I think he lapped us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I that was phenomenal. And and yeah, I'm watching Strickland race, but. Um, I, I'm kind of interested. Uh, I mean, what what you think of this sort of fixed crit racing? I mean, your actual ideas of of you know a hundred guys riding round on a track bike with no brakes. I mean, how how do you feel about that? Uh, uh, I mean, I think um, oh, you're crazy. Yeah, Uh, yeah. that's definitely number one that comes into my head. Um, But after that, you know, like, so this year, I I basically had a kid who came to a team who was a runner, who's like physically excellent. um, But when he came to is like riding in a bunch, he had a real tough time last year, went back to Australia over the off season. And I made him ride uh, a cross bike and I made him do track races on a fixed gear because I think I, I think riding on a fixed gear bike is just basically the best way to learn how to ride a bicycle uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a bunch. Um, and you can see from the guys who have ridden, I, I only know track because there's, a, there's more track guys that have come to the road. So I've seen a lot of guys who have that ability um, from pedaling a fixed gear. Um, I generally, I generally think they turn out to be better bike handlers. So I can't see how fixed gear crits could actually be like a a bad thing in in, in any way. And, and, and I'd be really interested to 
you know, see guys come out of that, honestly, see how they handle their bikes and see how they go, um, you know, um, in, in different races. Because I think yeah. that's yeah. The, the, I was just going to say, I think that's the direction um, fixed gear racing is, is kind of getting to. Um, it's starting to produce some really solid riders, really, really decent bike handlers. Um, and it would be amazing to see them eventually lead on to World Tour stuff or other races. Um, it's it, it's a good starting platform, I think, and be cool to see what happens in the future of it. What's the uh, just out of curiosity? So, what's the sort of tactics of a fixed gear crit? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, does it does it does it fall into a pattern whereby people basically fall into their place like a cross race? Um, it's it's or, kind of like um, it's like a road crit, really. To be honest, like. Most people will stick together unless I'd you're say way stronger. It's like a road. It's like a road crit on steroids. <laughs> yeah, I think there's been a few of those in the past for real. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like um, there's a, there's a level and then there's another level, and the people that are another level are able to corner better, able to accelerate better, able to slow down better because it's not. It's not always also about accelerating. It's also about slowing mm. down and then mm. accelerating. Whereas with mm. road bike, you can just slam on the brakes. Mm. So it's losing less speed. Exactly. There's a, there's a lot of more skill than there is. I mean, it's completely different, but there's like completely different skills from riding a road bike. Yeah. I'd say um, like position is absolutely key as well. And, um, you know, if you're stuck at the back, like any race, but in, in particular a fixed gear race, um, I've found it super hard to try and work my way up just because um, typically you have some sketchier riders, um, not any sort of diss to them or anything, but um, um, it's just a bit harder to move up than it is in a, in a road crew. Yeah, of course, of course. So you'd start with like a 15, 20 second sprint and then fall into place and go from there. Well, no, it, start, it starts, you have, um, you, you, you have heat races and then you basically, uh, right. you get positioned and put into a grid and generally the races are like 30, 30 laps um, and it's kind of, you're looking around sort of the, the elite group would be, if it's a fast course, you could be looking average around sort of 49 to 53 kilometres per hour, roughly the race. Hmm. For, for like for 45 minutes so and like gear ratios of like 51 13 and stuff like that you know I think it's, it's, nice. it's tech yeah what's the fun to crit on sea i think um alec briggs recorded well he did the road and fixed crit but i think he recorded um the fixed crit and it was faster than the, yeah, than the road crit wasn't it yeah exactly um but i mean just on an interesting side note I, I don't know how much you know about illegal street racing um but Redwood Crit ultimately was an illegal street race. It was a birthday party for the guy that organised, and huh. that that sort of racing comes from uh, alley like street racing. You know, riding a track bike with no brakes on the road, um, and yeah, that's uh, it's worth checking out on YouTube. There's a there's a guy we interviewed him last week, a guy called Terry Barrenston, um, and he basically follows. All types of cyclists, but he's done a, a series called Hotline, where he follows uh, track bike riders in London and New York and Mexico, uh, and he it's really really cinematic. He he edits it and 
adds music so it, it fits in time with the, the imagery. Um, and he kind of rides at a distance behind the rider where you, you get a real sense of their speed and the skills of them, you know, riding a, a, a brakeless track bike. So that's worth something to check out when you get when you got a, a chance. Yeah, that's that's super cool. I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I think you know, in in general, I, I love the idea of someone coming from, you know, all, all sorts of different disciplines or all sorts of you know, uh, ways of racing a bike. So going back to just going back to um, talking about the team again, I think that uh, I really like the way that we run the team. I think it looks like everybody's having a, having a good time. Obviously, they're mashing up and trying hard, but like it looks like they're actually having fun, whereas other teams maybe not so much. And um, yeah, just like because I, I was on a like a high level junior team and I was racing in Belgium and uh, doing a Kern of Brussels Kern and um, unfortunately smashed up my face that year and it was the first race of the season and yeah landed on my head which was not so great and I didn't really have much support to like get back onto uh, the top again like I was told you're going to race in two weeks and I, I couldn't eat or drink or anything. I had like a swollen face and stitches in my mouth and it was like pretty grim. And then I said to the to my DS at the time, look, I can't race. I've smashed up my face. I need some time off because like obviously I can't even train or eat or anything. And then I was thrown straight into the junior Toro Flanders and uh, I was in the bunch there and like myself really like having the brakes all the time because I was like really sketchy and I was just like wondering how how do you deal with riders that have had like a really bad crash and how do you get them back onto the at the top because like I didn't have a good experience yeah I mean I think uh, um, yeah I mean you definitely had a shit experience yeah. Um, um, I mean that that year was a was a mess. To be honest, I had puncture, puncture, crash, 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 mechanical, and it was like, yeah, not a good year. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's there's there's a few stories out there like that, especially you know in the sort of amateur ranks in in Belgium and so on, or junior ranks. Um, yeah. And it and it can be super tough. I mean, with our guys, it's like like like. In this team, I feel like we try and put the the person first a lot of the time, um, yeah. and it's kind of like it's it's difficult because we do want to win races, right? We really want to win races, and everyone's dead dead set on winning races, and we're not here just to piss around. Yeah. Um, but we also do have an, a, like a real human element in this team, you know where. I've, you have riders sometimes will come to you in the middle of an important race, and it's like, okay, I've got this problem at home, and I need to, I need to be at home with my wife. And it's like, in our team, it's like, okay, then you go, and we put the person first, and then. Yeah, well, that's that's how it should be. Like, I think. I think so, but because that 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 then comes back in the future because this person goes, okay, well, I'm going to be. This team was loyal to me in my in my hardest moment 
and, and gave me the time to recover because there's always there's always a time to recover if you know if you can give it to people yeah it, instead of kind of, you know kind of force people or it's uh it's i i do feel like we put the human first yeah well that that's that's really brilliant to hear and i think that's how how i see you and your team anyway like i think i think um it's very it looks very positive from an outside perspective yeah i mean i definitely think you get more goodwill from an athlete giving them the time to go and fix the problem or sort themselves out than you do um not doing that and forcing them to do something that you know they don't want to do yeah, and i think it, it also, just goes the wrong way exactly i think also like what's the point having all these marginal gains having an aero bike having all that when somebody isn't like like isn't feeling good about racing and like currently isn't in a good place absolutely absolutely i think it's cool that rafa are on board the team as well to kind of document um the team in a in a particular way um i really like that angle and like what they've done there and uh, i'm a massive fan of the kit as well it's kind of cool yeah they uh they pulled out a good one with that one it's uh <laughs> um yeah i mean i, I i've known the rafa got personally for, for quite a few years and i think uh like they're people who are passionate about bike racing right and it shows in what they make and they do and they're always kind of up with some good ideas which is fun which is fun yeah totally totally um so we got some we wanted to do like a little q a we had some people um send us some questions over on the instagram um george did you want to yeah you got the questions haven't you right it's a it's a quick fire round so um, yeah. The the first the first one is actually from me, and just to give you a little bit of context, so uh, at age ten I did the London Youth Games uh, with my borough Tower Hamlets, and the cycling coach, if you could call it, <laughs> um, he said you must eat a kebab before the race, five minutes before the start. Um, what is your take on that? And uh, would you tell your rider to eat a kebab before the race? Um, well, I think I was once the cycling coach for the London Youth Olympics thing, so I hope it wasn't me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Your name left though. <laughs> definitely don't eat a kebab before a race. Oh, okay. Not even a kebab gel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, that's, okay, no, that's, a no. <laughs> that's a no. That's a no. It's a no from the boss. Um, so we had one from James, who's on our uh, One Life. He said, "What techniques do you use to control your nerves and the rider's nerves before races?" Uh, rider's nerves. Uh, rider's nerves. Every rider's different. Um, basically, um, you kind of have to give. You have to work out who to give space to and not talk too, too close to the race and um, who, who you can talk to. The riders generally uh, put music on on the bus and uh, get get music going. Um, for my own nerves, uh, what do I do? Uh, I just breathe. I remember to breathe. Because uh, in the car, you, it, works. I, it, it really does work breathing. <laughs> 
Um, I've got one here. I'm just trying to find it. I've got. <laughs> I just scrolled past when it says, "Want to get naughty? Just go check my website." Love heart. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great question. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I think we should get them on uh, the podcast. Okay, now I've got one here. Um, what sort of music are you listening to at the moment? At the minute, and um, what music do you listen to before a race? Graham. Yeah, I mean, at the minute, the last thing I listened to was Radiohead in Rainbows. Because, ah, uh, amazing. For some reason, I stopped listening to Radiohead, like, in about 2001. Um, and uh, Rediscovered oh, sh- it. Shit, everybody's clapping outside. It's Thursday. Oh, yeah, oh, it's shit. 8 o'clock, right. Uh, uh, yeah. 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 So there you go, live NHS clap. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bit of Radiohead, bit of Bonnie Vare at the moment as well. Uh, I, I, I'm a bit more mellow myself, so uh, I don't really have any pump up tunes. Yeah, uh, yeah. well, that's good. Um, I've got another one from uh, James. Said, uh, what do you look for in a rider other than their psychological ability and uh, their results? I think he means physiological ability. Bruv, this guy, Dead Spelling. Um, what do we look for? Okay, so personality, basically, how they're going to, apart from those parameters, how they're going to fit in with us. Um, because, you know, it's uh, you're on the road um, for a long time and having the wrong sort of character can really fuck things up, you know? Yeah. yeah. And basically, you don't want anyone that crashes all the time either. Yeah. So there, <laughs> there, there you go, Sorry, James. He's off. Um, Sorry, mate. Basically, James and our team... He, uh, he has a he has a free crasher um, every five race policy. Yeah, that's an it's, absolute no no. It's ri- it's written into his contract. Well, <laughs> we, we, ours, ours is a bit more low key, Alan. But there you go. Okay, I've I've um, got another one here. Um, says, can you explain exactly what it's like to be in the team car directing a race? Sweaty madness. <laughs> Sweaty. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, basically, it's like nothing happens, uh, and you're driving at 38 kilometers an hour, sort of six inches behind another car for four hours, and then all of a sudden, everything happens at once. Yeah. World champion on your bumper, there's someone on your right, there's uh, people crashing, people stopping, uh, riders are screaming down the radio, race radios going off, um, you're trying to see the race on TV at the same time. There's an iPad with the course and all the route, and basically, it's a mind fuck. <laughs> Sounds chaotic. Ha- have yeah. you ever had any uh, road rage? Uh, yes, frequently. About once a race. There's 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 certain teams. So I mean, in the convoy, there's like a certain teams. There's, there's an order and there's a way that you should do things, and everyone's kind of got like a like a respect and there's certain teams that don't really uh, adhere to that all the time well, I, can, I can imagine uh, have there been any um, crashes with the cars have you seen many crashes all the time I mean there's, there's, there's crashes all the time. I mean small crashes but like every every driver in the convoy is happy to hit another car or as long as they don't hit a rider yeah yeah, yeah. because it, it, it's always stressful in those situations yeah. You know, but sometimes. Would you consider ever getting an electric car, like a Tesla? We had one. We had Teslas in uh, 2017, oh, yeah. 
2017, I think. 2018, we had Teslas. Oh, no um, way. That's bowling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were pretty flex. cool. That's a flex. I uh, spent a lot of time going all the way out the back of the race, and just flooring it so I could come back to the race. Cause the, Which uh, model did you have? It was the... Uh, X. Uh, no, the S. Oh, really? Oh, I, oh, yeah, I think I remember that, actually. Yeah, it was super cool, man. Yeah. Um, anyway, next question uh, was, is from Daniel Bennett. He said, where did your passion from <laughs> cycling come from? That's a tricky um, one. I think so. I came from when yeah. I was when I was a kid. Um, I started riding a bike. I, I loved it. You know, I, I think I think it came from the fact the freedom. You know, and I know it's a cliche, but like going out and doing ten miles when you're eleven years old is yes. pretty fucking cool. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, last question uh, from Gabor. He said. Are there any plans for a women's team in the future? I'm not entirely sure about that. Um, I mean, I think I, I think it was being discussed, but I think at the moment every uh, everything's up in the air anyway. So. Everything's uh, everything's sort of changed. I mean, I, I know that even the company would love you know in the future to be able to support women's cycling as well. Yeah, um, but where we all are in 2021. Uh, is uh you know we got to see what happens with all the racing first so yeah definitely yeah 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 i guess we'll wrap it there and unless you guys want to do anything else at all yeah i just wanted to say um thank you for coming on it's been great to chat and um the this the alternate series i think something that hopefully um you know once things kind of begin to go back to normal hopefully um it can be something that can grow and you guys can keep pushing because I think uh, if, if there's any ways that we can bridge the gap from uh, grassroots cycling to, to you guys at the top, um, I think that would be really healthy for, for the sport of cycling going forwards, you know? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I agree. So, um, yeah, so from my perspective, I, I love that, you, that you're doing that and I have big respect for you. So thank you so much for coming on. No worries, man. And we've done a live NHS clap, so we've we've covered all angles. Good stuff. Thanks, thanks for coming on, Tom. Uh, thanks for taking the time to to speak with us, and um, wish uh, wish you all the best in the team through 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 these times, and hopefully uh, you guys pull through. And we look forward to seeing some of the live coverage uh, soon. Yeah.